Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. And again, God, I just I pray that your presence would continue to fill this place. And then God, not just this room, but the place of our hearts, the place of our lives. God, I pray that there would be not one single place in our lives, not one single place in our hearts, not one single place in our thoughts and our paradigms, God, that we don't invite your presence to come in and infiltrate and change us, God. Lord, we pray that when we leave this place, God, that we are empowered and equipped to bring your kingdom from heaven to earth. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. A few years ago, I was leading a mission trip to Costa Rica, and we uh, had about 20 students on the trip and and five adults. It was a great trip. We saw God do some really cool things, and we're on our way home. We're ready to get back into the United States, sleep in our own beds, eat, you know, the food that we like, uh, enjoy air conditioning. And we had a connecting flight in Miami, and so we're flying out of Costa Rica, have to land in Miami, and then we get to fly home to Nashville. So we, we land in Miami on time, and then we just sit on the tarmac. We're like, everybody's going, what's going on? We're not, we're not pulling up to the jetway. So after a while, the pilot comes on the intercom, and he says, uh, hey, there's been some kind of power outage in the international terminal, and so we've we got to just sit here and wait until we... Um, and, and, until something happens. And so we sit there, and we sit there, and we sit there. And then over an hour passes by, and then finally we start making our way to the terminal. And so we dock, we are walking up the jetway, and now at this time, like, we, we have less time to get to our flight to Nashville, right? And so all of these flights, all of these international flights that have been landing for an hour, are, we're all coming into the airport, loading into the airport at the same time. And I'm now beginning to see this is serious. We've got to make our flight home. And so it, it was total chaos. I mean, there were grumpy and hurried travelers everywhere. The airport staff was incompetent. Um, <laughs> we, we have to go get our luggage go through customs, recheck our luggage, domestic side, and then hurry to our flight. And so we're doing all that, and people are cutting in line and cussing each other out. Not the mission team, but just other people. And and we finally, we make it through customs, and now the only obstacle between us and getting to the Nashville gate is TSA. So we've got to go through TSA security again because we're boarding a domestic flight. So we're going through, everybody's getting through just fine. Then all all of a sudden, one of the girls on the mission team, her bag gets flagged to be searched. So I'm like, okay, all right. Well, the rest of the team, everybody get through. And I told the rest of the leaders, take the rest of the students down to to the Nashville gate and go ahead and board the plane. So I stayed with her along with one of her best friends that was on the trip with us. And so we're waiting you know, her bag is in queue to be checked, and we're waiting. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the clock comes to the top of the hour, and it's time for a shift change. So now all these TSA agents that seem like they know what they're doing, they, they just peace out. They're like, all right, it's 9 o'clock. We're out of here. And they just leave. And then all these new agents come in, and it's like the third shift. You know, they come in, and it's like, these guys don't know what they're doing. It's like Barnum and Bailey Circus. 
And, and the, I mean, they're just a bunch of clowns. They don't care that all these people are trying to rush to get to these connecting flights. And they're just taking their sweet little time. Well, meanwhile, uh, one of the moms of these, this girl that I'm with, she's on the trip with us. And she was one of the leaders that I sent ahead with the rest of the team. I, I, we're waiting for the bag. And she calls me on my cell. And she goes, hey, we all made it. The entire flight is full. The only people that aren't on the flight are you and those two teenage girls. And I said, well, we're, we're doing everything we can. I mean, we're powerless. We're just at their mercy and waiting. And I'm trying to get TSA agents, uh, their, their attention saying, hey, we, our, our flight's about to leave. Can you check this bag? Can you check this bag? And they're like, no, we got to check these people's bags first. Like, okay, okay. So I'm telling her, I'm on the phone with her, telling her what's going on. And I can hear, you know, on the other end of the phone, you know, we've spent this entire week giving out physically and spiritually and emotionally, and we're tired and we're exhausted. And I can hear her voice on the other end of the phone, and she's frantic about the possibility that her baby girl is not going to be making it home to Nashville tonight. And I try to calm her down. I try to reassure her, hey, it's all right. It's okay. If, if the flight leaves without us, it's all right. We'll get a couple of hotel rooms close to the airport. We'll hop on the next flight first thing in the morning. It will be okay. It'll be all right. But she wasn't having any of that. She wasn't having it. She gets out, out of her seat. Remember, she's already boarded the plane. She gets out of her seat. She goes and finds a flight attendant and begins to explain to the flight attendant, here's what's going on. My daughter, she's stuck at TSA. She, she, she's here in the airport. She's just got to get her bag checked. And, and then they're going to they're gonna come right here. And the flight attendant says, sorry, ma'am. There's nothing we can do. There's a certain time that we cannot wait past. And once we hit that time, we, we have to go. So meanwhile, we're back at TSA, and we finally get through. And so now we are running through the airport home alone style, you guys. It's like that, that scene in Home Alone where everybody's trying to get to their flight, and that's what we're doing. I'm carrying about 40 pounds of extra um, you know, carry-ons. And you know those like uh, little transport carts that they have inside the airport, that people that are a little less mobile? They transport them from gate to gate. We're passing them. We're running past those. And I'm out of breath. We're huffing and puffing. Meanwhile, back at the Nashville gate, the mom, she's like, I'm not having this. She gets off the plane, walks up the jetway back to the gate. And she's talking to the gate agent. And she's telling the gate agent, they're on their way. They're coming. And the gate agent tells her the same thing. I'm sorry, ma'am. FAA regulations say that by, by this time... The, the gate has to be closed. The door has to be closed. We cannot wait for them. And, it, you know, it didn't matter to her that her daughter was stateside. It didn't matter to her that she was safe with me. She wasn't going to leave Miami without her. She wasn't going any further without her daughter, even if that meant she missed her flight, too. And she just sat there and she waited at the gate. She didn't get back on the plane. Well, a couple minutes passed, and we... Turn around the, we come around the corner, running as fast as we can, and I see literally the gay agent has her hand on the door. She's shutting it, and I holler out, and I yell, we're here! We're here! And she stops. She takes our boarding passes. We get on the, on the plane. I get to my seat, and I'm huffing and puffing. I'm trying to catch my breath. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I just start thinking. I just started putting myself in the shoes of that mom. Thing. Would I react this way? Would I respond this way, the same way if that was my daughter? And I was like, absolutely, I would. 
Absolutely. If that was my daughter, I, wasn't gonna, I wouldn't leave Miami without her. Why? Because I wanted to make sure she was okay because I loved her. And this is the same kind, kind of attitude. This is the same kind of thing that we see going on with Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Moses prays, God, I'm not going if you're not going. God, I'm not in this if you're not in this. Verse 33, or chapter 33, verse 14, God said to Moses, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. And Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call the trip off right now. God, if your presence isn't in this, then I'm not in this. If it doesn't take the lead, then call off this trip right now. How else will it be known, God, that you're with me in this and you're with the people in this? God, are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we are special, that I and your people among all the other people on this planet, that you've marked us, that we're your special people? How, how will they know if your presence isn't with us? In essence, Moses is saying, God, more than anything else, I desire your presence. God, more than anything else for me and for your people, God, I desire for us to be marked, to be distinguished by your presence. You know, there's a lot of things that we could be known for. There's a lot of things that we could be distinguished for. We could be distinguished as the most friendly and welcoming place in our city, and that would be wonderful. And I I hope people do think of us that Seeds Church is a welcoming and friendly place. We could be known for our dynamic kids and youth ministry, and that would be wonderful. We could be famous for our style of worship or whatever. We could be known in our city and in our community and around the world for the good that we're doing in our community and for the good that we're doing around the world. But more than any of those things, more than any of those wonderful characteristics. I want a church that is known for the presence of God. I want a church that is marked by the presence of God. I want a church that's distinguished by the presence of God. I want a church that says, God, I don't care about all those other things if you're not in it. Moses, if he were here today, I think he would probably say the same thing. He'd probably say, God, God, it's great that that we're uh, the friendliest and most welcoming place and we've got great ministry for, for kids and students, and that we've got great worship, and that we're doing all the good in the community, but God, none of that matters to me if you're not in it. I think Moses would say the same thing, and that's the vision that I have for this church, that we're people who pray like this. God, there's a lot that we could do in our own power. God, God, we, we, we've got experience, God. God, we've got resources. God, we've got talent. We've got skill, but God, if you're not in it, then that's not what we want. God, you're first place. God, you're what we desire. God, we're desperate for you. That's what Moses said. And if we look at his journey, if we look at his prayer history between himself and God, if we look at the God activity that happens between him and the Lord, we can see how powerful this prayer really is because we can see that Moses really was forever marked by the presence of God. In Exodus chapter three, first, Moses encounters God in the burning bush, right? The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. It's not burning up. And God calls out to Moses from the bush and he says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to set my people free. And Moses says this in Exodus three, he says, but why me? God, what makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children out of Egypt? Why are you picking me, God? 
And God said this to him. He said, Moses, I'll be with you. My presence will be with you. God didn't tell Moses, Moses, you got this, bro. Moses, you're a smart dude. Moses, you're a strong guy. Moses, you're tough. Moses, you've got all this experience. Moses, you, you, you're, you've got the pedigree. No. It was nothing about Moses. It was about who God is. God said, I'll be with you. So Moses goes into Egypt. He encounters resistance from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, no, you can't have the people. But God is with Moses. God is showing himself faithful to Moses and to the Hebrew people. And God keeps turning the screws to Pharaoh with these plagues. And Moses is getting a glimpse of the powerful presence of God. Moses is saying, God's really with me. And Pharaoh finally relents and he lets the people go. So now they think that they're in the clear. They think, oh, wow, all right. Pharaoh let us go. We're in the clear. We're going to go out to the, the wilderness and we're going to worship the Lord. And they get out there and, and it says this in Exodus 13. It said that God went ahead of them with a pillar of cloud during the daytime to guide them on the way. And at night, a pillar of fire to give them light. Thus, they could travel both day and night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night never left the people. Here we see God's presence is marking them. It's, it's represented in this cloud by day, this fire by night, and the people's eyes are on the presence of God day and night, day and night, day and night. That's what they're focused on, cloud by day, fire by night, the presence of God. At every turn, they're experiencing his presence. At every turn, they're seeing God at work. And then we start seeing God provide for them. He provides food for them. He provides water for them. Supernatural experience after supernatural experience, they're becoming dependent on the presence of God. Exodus 14, Pharaoh, he has remorse about his decision. He's the most powerful man in the world at this time, and he sends his army to go get them, but God does not abandon his people. God does not abandon Moses. God does not abandon the Hebrew people. He makes the Red Sea split, and they walk through. They cross through the sea on dry ground, and then Pharaoh's army thinks, oh, we're going to come after them. We're going to come in the same, the same direction, the same route. And then supernaturally, at the right time, after all the people had gotten through, Pharaoh's army is in the sea. They've got this wall of water over here and this wall of water over here. And at just the right moment, the Lord causes those walls to collapse. And it engulfs Pharaoh's army. And the people of God are like, wow, our God is big. The presence of God is amazing. God is with us. Coming dependent on the presence of God. Now Moses is in the wilderness. He's faced with enormous leadership challenges, but God doesn't leave him. God continues to give him direction. God continues to provide for the people. And then if we look in Exodus 24, Moses enters into a season of seeking God. 
He enters into a season of seeking direction from God. He enters into a season of building relationship with God. And that's exactly what we're doing right now in this Lenten season. We're entering this this 40-day season of seeking God, of setting our face to him, of saying, God, we're, we're seeking your presence. We're seeking relationship with you. We're seeking direction from you. And if you, if we're doing this through prayer and through fasting, and if you haven't joined us in this, we invite you to jump in. This is not any, it's like, it's not some like religious hoop for you to jump through. It's simply a tool to seek the face of God. Right. You know, I grew up all my life hearing people talk about fasting, reading the scriptures about fasting, but no one ever did it. Not anybody that I knew. So I'm like, wow, look at this amazing tool that the church has been using for over 1,800 years the church has been using corporately to say, hey, okay, this is not just something, these spiritual disciplines are not just something we talk about but not do, but no, we're actually gonna step into it and do it. And not do it out of legalism, not do it of like, well, I just, no, we're doing it because we're just simply seeking God's face. We want you to join in with us, seeking greater intimacy with God. And in Exodus 24, that's what we see Moses doing. It says this in verse 15, Moses climbed the mountain, The cloud of God covered the mountain. The glory of God settled over Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, God called out of the cloud to Moses. Now, down below, in the Israelites' view, they they look up at the mountain, and the glory of God looks like a raging fire at the top of the mountain. And Moses enters the middle of the cloud, and he climbs the mountain. And Moses was on that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses sins and God's presence descends. Moses draws near and God draws near too. Imagine what that would have been like for Moses. Imagine how powerful and dynamic that that would have been for him. 40 days and nights in the presence of God. And during Moses' 40 days on the mountain, I don't think Moses was bothered very much about not staying on top of all the news. I don't think Moses was worried so much about making sure he, he caught the, the, the top 10 on Sports Center that night or for those 40 nights. And Moses was not worried about making sure that he was at all the social gatherings. Moses didn't care about how many likes and comments he got on his Facebook posts or catching up on his shows on Netflix. Moses didn't care about that. I don't think he even really probably missed his favorite foods during that period of time because he's totally engulfed in the presence of God seeking the face of God. And so for him to give up those things are really like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm giving up, I'm fasting some things, but you know what, though those things pale in comparison to when I set my face to God and I seek the presence of God and I enter the presence of God and encounter the one true living God. So Moses develops this history with God which builds up to this prayer that we read earlier in Exodus 33. He's seen the works of God. He's talked with God. He's spent time in the presence of God. So now we can see where Moses is coming from when he says, God, if you're not in this, then I'm not in it. God, I'd rather stay in the wilderness with your presence than go into the promised land without your presence. God, I I don't want this if you don't mark us, if you don't distinguish us. I'm spoiled by your presence. I'm ruined by your presence. And that's my prayer for us. 
That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you, that we would be undone in the presence of God, that we would just be done with, with going back to the way things used to be. That we spend this 40 days of seeking God in the place of prayer and fasting, that we would we we just be dissatisfied with the thought of going back to the way things were before. I want to develop our own history with God. I'm tired of hearing what God is doing in other parts of the world. I want to see what God wants to do here. I want to develop history with God. I want to see him at work in our lives. I want to stop being dependent upon my strength and start being dependent upon his strength. His presence out in front of us, leading us and guiding us, cloud by day, fire by night, 24 hours, the presence of God. I want a church, I want this gathering of people, I want this community, this church family to be distinguished, to be marked by God's presence. Since the very birth of this church, just less than two years ago, we can look back and we say, oh, look at all the amazing things God has done. God, you're amazing, that's awesome. But you know what? I don't want to be satisfied with that. I want to be intensified. I don't want to be satisfied. I want to be intensified with what is God doing now? What is he wanting to do with us and in us and through us tomorrow? I'm not satisfied with yesterday's manna. I want God to provide today. I want him to give me my daily bread. And then Moses has this interaction with God and he says, God, God, I don't want to go if you're not in this. And God says, oh, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you, and you're going to worship me at this mountain. And Moses says, he presses in even further, and he says, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. I'm not satisfied with the amount of, of, of the presence that I've had up to this point. I want even more. I desire even more. Show me your glory. And I want that to be our hearts cry. God, I'm done with this run-of-the-mill living. God, I'm done with this just just the everyday doing my life in my own strength and power, God, and I want to tap into your presence. A couple of years ago, my brother-in-law who lives in Bristol invited me to come his way to go to the battle at Bristol. Now, some of you guys, some of you, you know, hardcore college football fans, you know what this is. It was the largest football game, largest attended football game in the history of the world. It was in the Bristol Motor Speedway, and they took the infield at the speedway, and they turned it into a football field. And so you've got all these grandstands, and they they set a, a world record of attendance. And I got to be there, it was a super cool experience for a lot of different reasons. One, one, one reason is this. So my brother-in-law invites me, and I, I get to Bristol, and he, he tells me, hey, we've been invited to watch the game in a skybox. Woo! We don't have to sit in the grandstand crowded bleachers with everybody. We get to go to the skybox where there's air conditioning and nice seats and a good view, and we got cool snacks, and we got TV monitors, cool stuff. And the first quarter ends, and then my brother's... My brother-in-law's friend comes and he says, hey, I want to invite you guys to this corporate suite. So like, wait, wait, wait a second. You mean there's a level higher than this? 
okay, well, let's go, lead the way. And so we, we come out of the skybox and we go around to the other side of the track and there's this like high-end corporate suite with, I thought the seats that we had were great, but no, this is like next level deluxe seating, great view, again, air conditioning, TV monitors, full buffet in the back, full buffet. Like it, it went from like, oh, we're eating like cheese puffs to like, no, we're like eating like some French delicacies or something, I, I don't know. It was nice. It was great. And so we spend a couple of quarters of the game there. And then my brother-in-law's friend comes to us again. He says, hey, I got a couple of passes to get down on the field. Do you guys want them? We're like, yeah, we want them. So we go down and we go under the tunnel, under the track, and we come up. And now we're on the field for the fourth quarter of the game. And we watch the rest of the game in, the, in, in Tennessee's end zone. And it was one of the few games that Butch Jones' Tennessee Volunteers won. So it was a good day. There were fireworks. It was awesome. And then all these people had to leave and get home. And so this takes hours for people to get out of that speedway, to get back to their vehicles. And there's just traffic jam literally for hours. And so instead of trying to fight all that, we got invited to go to a post-game tailgate with the COO of the Wynn Las Vegas Hotel. It's like, what in the world did we deserve this? We didn't do anything to deserve this treatment. It was an amazing day. It was a day I'll never forget. And you know what? There's been talk about battle at Bristol 2. They're going to do this again. And my brother-in-law and I have been talking. We're like, man, it would be fun if we get to go again. But you know, our, our conversation kind of turns and it was like, man... I'd love to go again, but are we going to get that same kind of treatment? If we go again, are we going to have to sit in the grandstand bleachers and be crowded and hot? I, I want the deluxe seats. I don't want to eat hot dogs and pretzels. I want to eat like bacon wrapped scallops and shrimp cocktail. We were ruined by the five star treatment. And you know what? I've spent time in the presence of God. I've seen God at work. I've been exposed to the supernatural and I don't want to go back to the way that it was before. I want to stay close to him. I want to be ruined by his presence. I want to be spoiled in his presence. I say, God, I'm coming after you. I'm desperate for you. I desire you, God. I'm coming your way. I'm drawing close to you. God, if you're not in it, I don't want to be in it. God, if you're not in it, I, I, I'll stay in the wilderness with your presence before I go to the promised land where all the circumstances seem to be nice and good, but if your presence isn't there, God, I don't care about that. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want to see in this church. I believe a church with that kind of heart, that God can do some things in us, that God can do some things through us, that more than anything, we'd be a people that hungers and thirsts for the presence of God. And I know that as we set our face to seek God over these next 40 days, I know that as we draw near, he will draw near to us. We have that promise. We live in a land where it's really easy to settle for less. We live in a, in a land and in a culture and in a time period where, you know, it's really easy to just seek comfort and just kick it and, and do cruise control for the rest of our lives. It's easy to settle for less. It's easy to settle to not go somewhere where the Lord is calling you to. But I say, let's go to the mountain. Let's climb the mountain of God. 
Let's go and ascend and let's see God descend. Let's not settle for less. Let's seek his presence. And if we seek him, we will find him. If we seek him, we will find him. I want the worship team to come back up and we're gonna spend just a few more moments of pressing into God. And here's what I want us to do. As we sing, as we press in in these moments, once you stand up with me, I want you to just ask Holy Spirit right now, Holy Spirit, what does it look like for me to press in? What does it look like for me to seek? What does it look like for me to climb the mountain, to be, to be spoiled, to be ruined by your presence? In these next 40 days, what does that look like, God? Our prayer team, I would like to invite our, our, our prayer team to come back on the wall over here. And you guys can pray and worship over there as long as there's no one coming up to ask for prayer. But if there's something stirring in your heart, and if you want to pray with somebody about whatever it is, some, some of you are just going to need to pray the prayer, God, just give me the desire to desire you. Whatever need that you have, we invite you to come pray with one of our prayer team. If you're far from God today, I want to give you, I want to tell you something amazing. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to feel like you're far from God because Jesus, he came and he changed everything and there's no religious hoops that you have to jump through. All you have to do is believe that he is the son of God, believe, confess that he's the son of God, believe that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Now, does that mean, well, that's all there is to the Christian life? No, there's so much more. There's so much wonderful treasure to the Christian life. But that's where you start. That's the, that's the first step. That's you stepping over the threshold onto the path of being a follower of Jesus. And this doesn't mean that life is going to get completely easy and you're going to have any problems. But what it means is that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And it is a joy. It is a joy in these 40 days to observe Lent, to, to join in the fellowship of his sufferings, but also in the joy and the power of his resurrection. And as we approach Easter, already, you guys, this just, Lent just started Wednesday, and already, in my fasting, already, I'm like, oh, God, this is good. Fasting is feasting on you. This is good. I can feel myself as I'm drawing close. I can feel him drawing close to me. Let that be an encouragement to you. Don't walk out of here and like, well, man, I just don't feel it. I just don't have it. No, walk out of here and go, man, I want that. I want that. I'm going to press in. I'm going to draw near. I'm going to come close. God, I want to be destroyed by your presence. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> destroyed in a good way. Let's sing. God, show me your glory. And just have this conversation with the Holy Spirit right now. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.